One, two, three, and hey, Julie, we're recording. So, listeners, Julie and I are going to try to start something new for all of you. We're going to call it the Sunday Debrief at the Beach. I know, it doesn't quite rhyme. I was trying, though. <laughs> we'll make them up with a better name. Everybody Stay tuned. <laughs> make them up with a better name. But um, <laughs> what Julie and I are going to be doing, well, I'll just tell you. So, every Sunday, um, Julie and I plant Zoe with her Nana, who lives with us, which is a blessing. And they usually do baking. They watch uh, British baking shows. And <laughs> who's that Who's that lady they watch with the uh, heavy accent? Uh, the <laughs> English lady? Uh, Childs? What was yeah, Julia Childs. Yeah. yeah. My, when I was growing up, my mom had the <laughs> Julia. She had this huge selection. Goliath had to be 100 Julia Childs, you know, hardcover books. And um, she only made peanut butter and jelly. I, I literally never remember the books doing anything other than looking nice up on the bookshelf. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> the thought was there. <laughs> so she's continuing the, the tradition with our six-year-old right yes, now. Yes, okay. exactly. Except they're watching that. With Harry Potter in the background. With Harry Potter in the background, exactly. So with Julie and I, we steal away every Sunday, and we go down to the beach, and um, we talk about the past week, and we talk about what we're going to be doing in the week ahead. Um, so talk about podcast stuff. Yeah, talk about podcast stuff. We usually write podcasts, as you guys, well, maybe you do, maybe you don't. We're working on a new book, Harris Rules, uh, continues to sell out. We had a really fun um, picture that someone sent us yesterday of the book, uh, basically the last copy of the book on the shelves of Barnes & Noble, because I know they've been reordering in some of the big cities. But in any event, so if you, by the way, just shameless pitch here, if you haven't picked up the, our book, Harris Rules, you definitely want to do that. The... Um, Five-star reviews continue to pour in. I think we're close to 400 now on Amazon. In any event, back to Target here. So Sunday debrief at the beach is what Julie and I have been doing for a long time. Before we moved here to Puerto Rico, it wasn't obviously at the beach. It may have been, you know, if we were in Texas, it may have been at the barbecue or at the gun range. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be sharing with you guys the conversations that she and I typically have on Sunday as we prepare for the week ahead. And we have no particular agenda. We have, um, you know, we don't know whether you guys will like this or not, but it doesn't matter because if you don't, you can just stop listening and just tune back in on Monday and you can hear our normal ranting real estate coaching radio show. And if not, well, you guys can chill with us here on a Sunday. And uh, yeah, so the thing that Julie and I were just talking about prior to me hitting the record button was what's it like to live in Puerto Rico? Because Puerto Rico is far, far more, it's the extremes in the good and the bad way is the best way I can explain it. And it's difficult to try to explain to somebody who's not actually moved to what in essence is a foreign country. Yes, Puerto Rico is technically part of the United States, but it's not really. And we're going to be talking a little bit about that today. I thought we'd kind of just do that in a conversational tone. So, Julie, I have, I have a question for you. Sure. All right. We can interview each other. How about okay. that? <laughs> All right. So... What are the three things that surprised you on the upside of living in Puerto Rico? Hmm. That's a good question. I think uh, one of the first things I noticed was how warm the water is. It's really awesome to be able to swim. I mean, here we are in February, and you don't have to wear a wetsuit, and the waves aren't generally trying to kill you. I mean, Zoe can go out probably 40 feet and be fine. I thought that was a pleasant surprise because, you know, we've lived in beach areas before where the water was super cold half the year so that's a, a pleasant surprise i thought how Cal- about you california we're talking about you yeah california we're talking <laughs> yes that's right um Burr. so what uh, surprised me in the upside i would say the people yeah 
So of all the places we've lived, and Julie and I have been married for, you know we've been married for 29 years this year? I know. You know how shocking that is? I mean, to think about that. I mean, I met you. You're We've been married longer than some of our listeners have been alive. That's, I know. That's kind of But I met you when odd. you were, I met Julie basically <laughs> when she was 15 and started dating her when she was 16. And now we're, well, you guys can do some, well, actually, I'm not going to make the math easy on you, but no, let's say, they can let, figure it out. let's say that <laughs> I'm going to be turning 40 for the 10th time this year. Very soon, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> so surprised me on the upside. I definitely say the people of all the places we've lived. The only place I can remember where the people were of this nature was Texas. I would agree with that. Yeah. People Every- are generally very happy. And no matter where you are, it seems, you could be in the city, you can be on the beach, generally jovial types and extremely helpful with things like speaking Spanglish, <laughs> which is a requirement here, by the way. Yep. I, I would say I'm, I'm kind of surprised at how almost exactly 50-50 it feels. It feels like a half foreign country. You speak Spanish half the time. The, I mean, even navigation switches back and forth between kilometers and miles. It does. It's it's interesting, but I think that that has made it easier for us to transition than it wasn't, you know, full immersion. Yeah, you'll be driving down the street, and then you'll see a sign in English, and then not even five minutes later, you'll see a sign in Spanish, and then you'll see a sign that's in English and Spanish. It's like... Well, even when people are talking, if you overhear conversations on the beach, it's especially, you know, we might have teenagers in the... In the uh, beach cots next to us and they they literally will will speak spanish for like three minutes and then switch to english for a sentence and switch back and they all understand each other perfectly and their english by the way is absolutely perfect Perfect. you don't even hear an accent so um by the way if you guys hear noise in the background that is literally the ocean so no we can't mute it that's the atlantic (laughs) ocean right We, we weren't kidding when we were calling this uh sunday debrief at the beach so julie Next, yes. remember we're coming up with three things. Hmm. If this topic gets boring, we can always change. Right? Yeah. There's no agenda. Another <laughs> thing that surprised you on the upside. Uh, hmm. Surprised me on the upside. Well, I mean, for me, it's more personal stuff like Zoe's school and our gym that we work out at every morning. When we moved here, we were breaking up with Orange Theory involuntarily because there wasn't. there's one here, but it's too far for us to do every day or really any day. Um, and we were pleasantly surprised and now I think we're working out harder and we have a lot of friends at the gym. So for me, it's more in the, the day-to-day creature comfort transitional types of things. It was all here is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to work harder for certain things like groceries, for example, we were just talking about everybody has their own little grocery hack to get the best produce and, and things of that nature. But that just adds to the adventure. Yeah. If you guys have only traveled to the Caribbean and stayed in, um, resorts which is pretty much what our experiences were limited to prior to living here you don't understand that when you're on an island anything that they bring in is a little bit of a scarcity item and anything they bring in is going to be fairly expensive so if it's not a native you know product it's going to be something that's going to be usually 20 percent more than what you're used to paying back in the states and that can go with all the way down to an orange you know well so like bananas are cheap but grapes are expensive because the grapes come from california right so but they, they come from, uh, I noticed that some of them some come Mexico from Central too, America. Yeah. yeah. But they're traveling of, a long way to get here. Yeah. You know, that's the other thing that's kind of interesting about products in general. There's all kinds of products you've never heard of before because mm-hmm. they don't come from the mainland. They're coming from, some of them are coming from Europe and all yes. kinds of weird, strange beverages that I've never heard of before from like Italy Definitely. and whatnot. Yeah. Um, 
so I'll tell you the other thing, and we're all we're kind of saying the same thing. But I'll, on the upside, it is so shockingly easy to make friends here. Now, by here, um, Julie and I settled in an area called Dorado, Puerto Rico, which you guys can check out. And we researched just upwards and down. We traveled here, you know, what four times before we actually decided yep. to move here. And we visited all the little hamlets and the villages and the beach towns and the communities and everything. And everything had its attributes. There wasn't, there wasn't really, you know, it, it wasn't a smoking gun as to why you'd want to live in one place or the other. But I have to say Dorado, and we specifically live in an area called the Reserve. It's um, part of, it's a Ritz-Carlton community. And we'll talk to you guys what that means in a second. Uh, but this is probably one of the nicest places that we've ever been in on the, you know, ever in the face of the earth. I Never. mean, and Julie, in and all Ju- of our travels. Yeah, and, and Julie and I used to travel extensively. We call it PZ, pre-Zoe. <laughs> the PZ era. <laughs> the PZ era, which remember we've been married for almost 30 years. So she and I used to do a lot of traveling and we'd yes. go to Europe, we'd get just everywhere. And we generally speaking, when we travel, we spoil ourselves in every place we've been. I guess maybe some places in France or some places in Italy would be similar. But really overall, uh, you know, Lake Como, there were some cool places yeah. there, but nothing's as nice as this. I, I would say it, sometimes it reminds me of parts of California, parts of driving around reminds me of Hawaii combination of things, but it's, it's really, it's unique own flavor because of the Spanish aspect, I think. And it, it does have some European influence, you know, like downtown San Juan is pretty amazing. It, yeah. It's a really oh, yeah. interesting mixture of things, I think. Downtown San Juan was built essentially when the Spaniards, when the Spanish basically were running the island. And as a result of that, you see... The architecture is super cool. It's just gorgeous. It's better than what you see in the pictures. A lot of you guys have been on cruises and stopped in San Juan and sort of walked around. Um, and if you are headed this way, make sure you think about visiting us in Dorado. So Ritz-Carlton, this Ritz-Carlton community. So if some of you listening know better than I, you can feel free to correct me. But from what I understand... Uh, there, there's six of these, six Ritz-Carlton Reserve communities in the world. And what these essentially are, they're basically massive estates. And the history of this place is pretty phenomenal as far as, you know, Julie can talk about that in a second. But in essence, what these are, they're reserves that are set aside for uh, individual communities. And we live in one of those communities here in Puerto Rico. And they're also centered by it. The center of the community is a big resort. And by resort, I mean pretty much the nicest places you've ever seen before i feel like i'm bragging and that's not my intent what i'm trying to do is motivate you guys to come visit us <laughs> you know well and yeah, i mean what are what do we do for a living right it's a real estate podcast and i think just surely from a lifestyle different ways you can live it should be interesting to a lot of our listeners the different types of neighborhoods and and you know we've we've lived we had a, a little ranch in texas with cows and chickens We've lived in condos. We've lived in the beach in Laguna Beach. You know, it, I think, it, I hope that it kind of tickles their real estate brain a little bit to imagine what a neighborhood like that can be like. It, it's different. I mean, it's got some country club aspects. It's got golf and things like that. But it also has, you know, restaurants and stuff to do. And they, it, I, I think it's also interesting from how these guys run things. There's, there's so much to do all the time. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's so easy to make friends. You, you know, if you're bored here, that's on you. That's a you problem. <laughs> for sure. So yeah. I, I just think it's interesting from there, that ju- aspect. Just for example, there's some um, ex-NFL football players that live here. Yeah. There's obviously a lot of executives that live here. There's a lot of um, entrepreneurs. Just entrepreneurs wall to wall. Very entrepreneurial. And they, and they they live down here. There's, so there's and, and I'm not going to – I don't think we should – 
spend time talking about the tax incentives that Puerto Rico offers, but you should definitely explore it. If you're a business owner, if you can essentially be mobile, if your business is internet-based, if you can be a consultant, you will be shocked when you read about, in a, on, on a good, in a good way, um, about what Puerto Rico has to offer as far as tax incentives. So you want to Google um, Puerto Rico, uh, what would be, Act well, 20 Act and Puerto Rico Act 22, yeah. and then also Puerto Rico Act 60. Yes. So just research those on your own. I don't want to talk about taxes and all that while Julie and I are chilling at the beach. Oh, and just for the record, mm-hmm. those cans you hear us open were not beers. Those were Diet Cokes. Yes. So. <laughs> all right. So, so this is a good opportunity to That's pivot right. and talk about things that were, you know, we said surprises on the upside. So let's call this next question surprises <laughs> on the downside. Okay. I've got one. Uh-oh. OMG driving here. <laughs> what is up with that? I joke with our, my school mom friends all the time about this. You know, something happens when people are on the road here. And there are driving moves that I didn't even know existed. And we watch Formula One every weekend. <laughs> like, turning left in front of somebody? Yep. How is that? I, I, it's just shocking. I, I, I don't even know. And not very many traffic lights. Just crazy interchanges of, how, you know, five different lanes coming you at the same time, all merging. Yeah. At a half roundabout. Like, who thought that one up? So, they don't pay it. It's look, insane. Look, we're not exaggerating <laughs> when we tell you this, okay? So, just remember we told you. And they don't pay attention to... They sort of pay attention to traffic lights. They definitely don't no. see traffic signs. By they, I mean anyone with a Puerto Rican driver's license. Yes. And including Julie and I, because we're a Puerto Rican residents. And, and yes, we're learning to drive. We're learning some of those moves. We're learning some of the, <laughs> We're, we're oh learning to goodness. be more... So we, we were taught in the States to drive defensively. Nah. These people, the natives, they were ta- taught to drive offensively. Aggressively. <laughs> aggressively. Aggressively offensive. You have to be aggressive and still defensive all at the same time. It's it's very... There, there's no autopilot going on here. No. No. There's no autopilot. It's Definitely. Crazy. Oh, yeah. We have friends that brought their Teslas down, and basically their <laughs> Teslas, we see them in the parking lot, and the corner's rocking back and forth from so <laughs> much can't stress. can't handle it. Because <laughs> the Teslas are so used to, you know, they're designed to, if you put them on autopilot, to read predictable paint on the lo- on the road. And None their of algorithms, that here. Their algorithms have, you know, monitored tra- people driving all over the mm-hmm. world. And, and traffic lights, and which and don't really exist. <laughs> right. And so you <laughs> drop a Tesla with its little sort of snobby... I know how to drive better than you mindset in, in Puerto Rico. And I'm telling you, no the way. thing needs to go on Prozac inside a week. <laughs> Add to gas tank. Yeah. It's crazy. It's going, you know, it's funny. You doing? Send me home. <laughs> I was talking to one of my friends about this and she said, how is it that people drive like that here? And then let's say you encounter some of these driving experiences and you're going to the grocery store. And yet when people are at the grocery store, they have absolutely no situational awareness whatsoever and just stand in the, you know, in the line and kind of have a, a little meet up. I don't know. It, it's, it's very, like I was saying before, it's kind of 50% all on all the time. And then on the other hand, you have this really chill, probably because it's the Caribbean, like you can have an appointment, but that doesn't mean the appointment's going to happen. Yep. The same day, the same time, nothing. And yet on the freeway, it's all urgency. Oh, yeah. So the Caribbean time thing is insane. real, people. It's real. Island time is a real thing. Island time is real. Or yeah. lack of time. Yep. They they operate on a different sort of you know clock. I'm not really sure how it works. And yeah. So our our highly wired <laughs> brains from uh you know being the doing must what be on time. For, it, yeah, it must be on time. And they're like, you dude, we said five o'clock. It doesn't mean five. It means like seven. That's mm-hmm. just the way we roll. So there's that. Yeah. Um. I'll say that the thing that really surprised me was. 
it depends where you want to live, obviously. But the cost of real estate specifically in Dorado, specifically where Julie and I live, is um, similar to coastal California. In that I mean it's really freaking expensive. Yeah. So when you, if you're coming from like, you know, Laguna Beach or you're coming from Newport or you're coming from one of those really expensive areas, then it's not going to be so shocking. But it is, it is a real surprise. There's, so up there. where this, this community where Julie and I live, if you want to buy a house that's livable, that you're not going to immediately have to put all kinds of money into, it's realistically at least a million and a half uh, if you can find it, which you can't. There's no MLS here, so most of the things basically go pocket listed, you know, in essence, whatever they call it. They don't call it pocket listing, but there's no implied buyer's agents commission. So you're really, you know, you're on your own. You have to basically know how, you have to be able to figure out who the most dominant listing agents are and then Do focus your own in. research. And, and then really it's you tough. can find a ton just from talking to people. Yeah. Um, and that's how we did it. We found our place, wasn't on the market was owned by a family that had owned it since it was original, uh, you know, 30 years ago. It was in exceptional condition. They had upgraded the bathrooms and the kitchens and just, and it's for us, we felt like we were, we got lucky getting it and it still costs us near $2 million, but it, it's twice as much as what we sold our house for. Well, not quite, but basically twice as much as we've sold our little ranch for in yep. Texas. And uh, yeah, so here we are. Also, I'll say, in, uh, depending on where you want to live, and you're probably, if you're going to live in, in Puerto Rico, you're going to want to live in probably Palmas del Mar, or you're going to want to live, I mean, there's a lot, if Condado is good if you like, you know, vertical living and buildings and whatnot. But Depends we, on how urban you feel, right. and what your situation is. Right. Remember, it's in as far as drive times, to get to San Juan, it takes us a half hour, maybe 40 minutes to get to the airport, it takes us a half hour. Uh, to get to the other side of the island, you guys heard those earthquakes that happened. The mm. communities that were most adversely affected were two hours away in the southern part of the island. But there it is. It's two hours to drive from where we are, the north part of the island, down to the south part of the island. And you can go to the, you know, it's not a big island is what I'm trying to tell you. And there is ocean everywhere pretty there much. Is, yeah, there is ocean everywhere. But like here in Dorado, in the, in the Ritz-Carlton Reserve area, your average sale price is going to be within 12 months. Um, and this is not, it, just because of a whole variety of uh, reasons that are not necessarily tied to the United States. I would say probably over $3 million. There's houses that are selling privately here for over $10 million. Some of them are selling for over $20 million. There's beachfront, they call them villas, but, you know, we'd call them condos that are selling privately for, you know, $15, $20 million. And a lot of these places people would purchase for, like, the original, you know, people are making a lot of money in real estate down here is the moral of the story. So that combined with tax incentives makes this very attractive for people who are in the position to, be, to take advantage of them. It depends on what your employee is like. So yes, I would say that the, you know, the, the cost of things, especially real estate, and I'll, I'll tell you just to pile on the cost of things, um, cars, oh my gosh. So, so <laughs> yeah. get this, this is how it really works, folks. If you bring in a car from the United States and it's not a plug-in hybrid or if it's not electric, you're going to be sp you're going to have to pay an, a tax just to bring it in, and the tax essentially starts at 31 percent, and the value of the car is determined by uh, the government. And so what they'll do, because we uh, brought a car in and we bought another one here, what they'll do is they'll basically they'll go to essentially whatever the uh, book they're using to assess value, and no matter how many miles or condition it's in, they're going to give it the highest value it possibly can have. And then they're going to, you know, drop 31% on that. And you think, well, there's a way out of it and there must be some gray area. There isn't. You bring in an older car, the tax is even more. 
Yeah, so, it doesn't matter the age, you're still going to pay the tax. And you pay more the older degrees. it is. Because yeah. I was thinking, well, I'll be clever and I'll just bring <laughs> in some old something or another. Nope. nope. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the import tax on cars is astronomical. Starts at 31%. So I want you to think about that. Uh, a lot of people, depending on what your tolerance is for cars. I mean, Julie and I like nice cars. Um, so, yeah, suck it up, buttercup. This is the bottom line. But some people will just, you know, they'll they'll give up on having a nice car and they'll just drive something that they don't give a hoot about just to avoid the taxes. But the other thing to do is to, um, and by the way, the taxes are assessed on all cars, no matter what the value is, if it's brought in. And if you buy a new car here, because there's plenty of new cars for sale here. There's Range Rover dealers, there's a Ferrari dealer, there's a Lamborghini dealer. There's a, you know, every kind of high-end car manufacturer you can think of. But a new car has that tax tacked on top. So for example, a friend of ours bought a new Ferrari. It was actually not even new. It was a 2017 Ferrari with no miles on it. And he paid what amounted to essentially $130,000 more than what he could have bought it for if he just bought it in Florida, you know? So that's just the game. Now, the way out of it is to buy an electric car, a full EV like a Tesla, or buy, which people are doing, you see the Jags and whatnot down here, the F-Paces, or they'll buy a hybrid. And the hybrid plug-in hybrid is probably the best overall solution. And being a car nerd, I can tell you there's a lot of car manufacturers that are coming out with hybrids over the next 24 months. And I imagine you're going to see those everywhere in Puerto Rico. So, Julie, another yeah. surprise. Well, and, and yet, you know, what about property tax? Almost non-existent. So you, yep. you pay it on the cars, but not on the houses. So. Yep. There's another example of, you know, how, how does that make sense? Some, sometimes here, sometimes not, you know, depending on, on what you're, you're talking about. You don't pay it that way. So um, other surprising things, gosh, I don't know. We've, we've gone through the major list. Um, well, I, I would say, you know, the, the amount of uh, private school education, pretty much everybody goes to a private school and the quality is good. The uh, doctors here are super educated. So let's stop. Let's hover yeah. there because those are two things that most surprised me on the upside yeah. too. So our daughter goes to this private school, and Julie, why don't you talk about it? Uh, so <laughs> I always laugh because their lo- their uh, slogan is uh, "Educating Future Global Leaders." <laughs> and I just <laughs> imagine these little kids going past that billboard on the way to school. Thinking, okay, there's no pressure there, is there? But that they're serious about it, educating future global leaders. And so she has a very rigorous schedule and is in Spanish for three hours a day, every day. Um, she's tested. She has Spanish dictation we have to practice. We probably have close to an hour of homework every night. She's in kindergarten. God help us in first grade. I, I don't know. One of my friends has a... What is she, a seventh grader that's in calculus? I don't know. So, uh, but, you know, the teachers are excellent. They're very tuned in. Um, you know, mandatory teacher meetings all the time. She's taking judo. She's taking ceramics. Um, she's had, she has a nature class. And then all the normal stuff, you know, math and science and all the rest. Oh, here's an interesting thing that I think, I think many of us probably would have benefited from as kids. Maybe some of our listeners had this experience. I don't know. It'd be interesting. Email us. So they have, uh, it's either three or four performances every single um, year. So one performance per quarter. Every single kid in the entire school is involved in one way or the other. They're either, uh, excuse me, designing the set or they're acting or they're singing or they're dancing or all of the above. And so I asked somebody about that and they said, well, the philosophy is for kids to develop confidence 
and be able to present in front of a crowd without freaking out, to be able to speak in front of a crowd, to perform, you know, whatever it, their thing may be. And they actually circulate them. So if you did, if you painted the set last quarter, you don't get to just keep doing that. You're going to be singing or dancing or performing and you will be getting over it. <laughs> so I, I think that's, you know, a good thing. Well, this school is, um, you know, people here in Dorado, because there's so many people moving here by a lot. I mean, just a lot. All uh, the time. And the, the fear is the school's not going to have room for kids because, you know, it probably won't. We had our little girl, all this that Julie just described to you, Zoe's six. She's in kindergarten, okay? So she's having all those experiences in yep. kindergarten. Um, but the school, so there's the same brand of school. It's called TASIS, TASIS. Mm-hmm. Right. It stands for the American School in Switzerland. In Switzerland, and so there's one of these in Dorado. There's one of these in New York City, right? Mm-hmm. Switzerland. The- there's a new one being built in Portugal, and I can't remember where the other one is. I think I think there's four of them. Wasn't there one in France? Maybe, maybe maybe that's what it yeah. is. I always have to look that up. Yeah. The one in Switzerland totally looks like the Harry Potter castle. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a boarding school. This is not a boarding school. But, uh, you know, I, I think the other thing that's going to be good for her is she's knowing kids from all over the world. One of her little friends is from Thailand. She's, of course, she's got lots of um, Puerto Rican little friends. But she's, uh, let's see, somebody's from, uh, oh, Germany. And the, it's interesting because those kids are having to have uh, English tutors and Spanish tutors. One of them's from Finland. You know, it's, it's just an, an interesting variety of people. So let's talk about, um, these are all, as Julie and I are going through this list, it's funny, we're kind of talking about all the things we maybe wish we would have known before we moved here. <laughs> yeah. But it might just be the juxtaposition of it's maybe kind of interesting. So doctors here. Um, so, so far, the schools are, the private schools especially are excellent. Um, the people, for the most part, really are exceptionally good people, nice people, sort of, it actually... It's difficult to explain this unless you've ever lived uh, where Julie and I lived. So we were originally from Columbus, Ohio. And in Columbus, Ohio, everyone sort of had the... They were a little bit aloof and not overtly friendly. And they're the niceties and things like that. The Midwestern thing. People aren't too demonstrative in the Midwest. But one of the things that was always a glue that kept people together was the really crappy winters. Yeah. And, and when you grew up in a place where the winter could be so bad that you'd need your neighbor to help you which is, was not unusual in, in Columbus. You'd have to look out for your elderly neighbors. You'd have to just, you know, you'd really have to be on the lookout. That, the nature of growing up in a community like that, where people are innately um, mindful of their neighbors just for the sake of, not just coexistence and being neighborly, but for the sake of survival, that creates something really special in the, in the culture. And I feel that here too, because this island has been devastated. The Maria, the uh, hurricane, and then, you know, it's, this place definitely very tight knit you know our, our two uh facebook pages that we use so tight knit well you know when the earthquake happened and we were like all right what's going on with the power as long as you had those facebook pages you were tied in people knew exactly what was going on she's talking about there's a pri- two private facebook pages one's called uh dorado damas and mm-hmm. the other's called dorado, dorado caballeros caballeros right and so the damas site is pretty much where all the ladies go and there if you're a man don't even try to get in they won't let you in <laughs> nope <laughs> oh well Close actually door. that's an interesting thing you bring up so if you're going to live here you absolutely have to have um, a backup generator and i'm not talking a little camping generator you have no. to have a proper generator in your house that essentially is probably diesel we looked at diesel and propane you you definitely want diesel just in our opinions easier to get and um 
the half-life of diesel is longer so that if it stays in the tank it doesn't degrade as much as propane would and blah 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 but the main reason is, is because it's easier to get and it's cheaper uh number two um you want to have some sort of you know we call it cisterns because julie and i are from the midwest but they call them water storage tanks here and so we have a water storage tank it's 600 gallons if you know we were stupid and the water was out you would maybe we'd have maybe a week's worth of water and you're saying well, what are you talking about how can the water be out well they don't have big like in the air water storage tanks like they have you know water towers was what they're called that you have in most of the united states so here the water is all pumped and the water's pumped through obviously pipes and, and those you know water pumps are powered by electricity right so if your electricity goes out it doesn't take too long for your water to stop pumping so electricity's out it's maybe you're maybe half hour before you've got no water in your pipes and that's the way the whole island works and so the smart move is to have your own backup water supply in case and also just if you're just nerding out on this because julie and i just went through this process mm. you definitely want to have a solar powered hot water tank the same reason because if, if you ever were out electricity like the longest we've been out electri electricity sometimes when it goes out it's out for an average of seven minutes and and if you have a backup diesel generator you don't even know the electricity's out because the generator kicks in and the second the electricity goes goes off in the grid it, you just don't know it's out you yesterday or the day before mm -hmm. i was in our office in our house and i heard the generator kick on and i was like i didn't even know the electricity was off it was perfect um, so what happens is if you don't have backup electricity, you, you need to have backup water, but a hot water tank. So what we now have is a solar hot water tank. Never heard of it until we moved here. It's pretty slick. goes on the roof. It's essentially, you know, just as it sounds, solar heats the hot water. Hot water then basically is free. And that's something else you want to seriously consider if you live here. So what did we talk about? We talked about backup electricity through Jenny. We talked about backup water. Um, forgetting something. Oh, internet connectivity. So here's something crazy. As a result of Maria, um, the cell phone grid here, if that's even a correct way of using those two words together, is phenomenal. There's 5G on the island. The There's uh, fiber optic cable you can get at your house. So the actual infrastructure for the internet here is, is great. Now, one company is better than the other. Right now, it seems like Claro is better than... What's the other one? Liberty. Liberty. Yeah, so... We use Liberty, and we're going to switch to Claro. But Claro is uh, doesn't go down if it's if the electricity's out. So if your internet connection uh, goes out during a, an electrical brownout, let's call it, even if you have a backup generator, your routers might work, but you're not getting any internet. If that makes sense. So we're going to definitely do the Claro thing. And I'm not trying to freak all of you guys out, but these are things mm -hmm. I wish we would have known prior to moving here because it's one of those, like, that would have been nice to know. Well, it, we, we had no idea it was an earthquake zone. That was kind of yeah, lack of research hilarious. on our part. <laughs> that was a, a absolutely shocking at 630 in the morning. Well, it's been about a month ago now. Yeah. Yeah. That was hilarious. It's, uh, yeah. It's yeah. That, what, that was for real. Right? 200 earthquakes? Yeah. I mean, they're happening all the time. I, I you know, it's part of my normal weather trolling that I look at right now they're all three three and a half so you don't really notice them but uh, I, I would say the difference between a five and the six and a half that knocked the power out and made us have to camp and figure out things like generators and you know that, that's for real and now we were going to do that anyway being that hurricane season is a real thing as well but uh, yeah that just kind of fast forwarded our plan um, yeah that was that's for real you're listening to us talk and you think we're crazy but um, to have moved here and I'm not going to lie and say that there weren't moments, especially during all the earthquakes, where we hadn't had that yeah. same thought. 
But the reality of it is, even when we lived in Texas, electricity went out. And in Texas, pretty much everything wanted to kill you. you know, yes, the bugs. <laughs> the bugs, the snakes. The mosquitoes. You know, if you lived down in Austin, it was the politics was trying to kill you. Oh, friendly <laughs> joke. <laughs> yeah. Stop emailing us about that. <laughs> you know, the, the overindulgence in granola and Bernie Sanders. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's deadly, those combinations of be. things. Not to mention all the marijuana down there. Yeah. But up in Georgetown, we lived 30 minutes north of uh, Austin. You know, yeah, electricity would go out. You'd have, um, you know, normal... You'd walk out the door and there would be a rattlesnake. Uh, that's no exaggeration. We've had that. We had that happen a number of times. Um, yeah, I don't miss the the yeah, things the, trying to kill you all the time. And the mosquitoes they were so big Ooh. they had their own shadows. Yep. The heat in the summer. So and, and no matter where we lived. I mean, when Julie and I Red lived, wasps. We lived part time in, um, you know, Laguna Beach, like Julie said, and we were threatened by fires. How many times? Well, we I remember we saw them right out our window on the the little hill next to us. And then, uh, you remember we came home when we were also living in Vegas, and we drove home to Laguna, and we were driving, and there were fires right next to us yep. on the freeway, and then when we got home, there was like an eighth of an inch of ash all over everything, because, you know, houses in California are not sealed up all that well, it's not like you have screens and gaskets, and uh, yeah, I mean, no matter where you live, we, we have coaching clients that, you know, they they dealt with Katrina, or they dealt with you know tornadoes and there's there's stuff everywhere it's just i think that here to your original point just like people in the midwest who have to know how a snowblower works you know you you just have to be smart and be vigilant and have your plan have it together you know i i put together some emergency medicine box because you know what if what if it's a bad storm and the palm trees make it so you can't leave the neighborhood because nobody sawed them up yet you know it's, I think it's just being smart. It's not freaking out. It's not being zombie apocalypse. It's mm. just being a grown human that wants to take care of your family. So let's talk a little bit about... So here in Dorado, after Maria... And let's go back and talk about the doctors, too, because I think yep. we need to know about yep. that. Sure. So after Maria, um, most of the island was without electricity. I don't, even, I don't even know for how long. It was, it was like a, a long time. Three months time. or something? I think, I think Dorado was three months, Julie. And I think all the parts of the island was yeah. like a year. I think you're right. Yeah, it was really bad. So, but, you know, if you had a generator and you had your own yep. water supply, because it rains here, you know, probably every other day, not for a long time, but a little bit, you're, you're good. You can have backup water and you'll figure it out. And people got back to life as normal. But the interesting thing that happened here in Dorado, so I told you guys this is centered around the Ritz-Carlton Resort. Well, the Ritz-Carlton Resort literally has its own massive water supply. It has this, it, it, it's called, a, I don't even know what they call it. There's this inner workings of um, the resort we've been we've driven our cart through there to see it it's like I don't even it, it looks like something out of a science fiction movie because there's so many generators there's so many diesel tanks there's so many water storage tanks so after Maria the folks that were here the you know residents like Julie and I what they did is and this is really goes to the it, it's a testament to the Stubes who own all of this mm-hmm. they're just exceptionally good people they started supplying drinking water and water to folks that lived here and they also went around and this wasn't widely we learned this from people that were living here at the time but they were going by and filling up people's diesel tanks too so they had electricity they were bringing in um food they just everything so what happened was this this place was it's it's uh it's amazing and they really really took care of the people that lived here i don't know what happened in other parts of the island you hear horror stories, but I haven't heard none of, no first-hand horror stories. I just heard people saying, did you hear type things, which are usually not true. 
But here in Dorado, where we live, after Maria, which is basically the apocalypse, people got on. And it was back. The electricity was back. Um, water was back. People got back to normal pretty quick here. And by the way, after even after Maria, planes were flying, I think it was two days later. So, But Maria it was the real deal. We, we ran into, we've made so many local friends here. And they all tell us that it was just beyond anything you could possibly express. It, it's, it's fascinating, too. So the houses here... The houses that you see that are always featured on like CNN and whatnot after there's any kind of storm in Puerto Rico are ones that are made of cinder block and they're not there's no rebar running through the cinder block they're literally just stacked cinder block or they're made of wood and so the houses that they show being uh, blown over and whatnot are those types of properties and what they do after the storms happen and we know this because one of our friends here is a big insurance broker and so he we asked him about why is why is it that some houses are made of poured concrete and the others aren't. And he said the ones that aren't obviously cost nothing to build. So what happens is the houses will fall over, in essence, and then they just rebuild them out of the same cinder blocks that are just laying there in a pile, and they rebuild them, and they go back to normal. Next storm that comes around, they do it again. They do it again. But in other parts of the island, because the land is uh, so mountainous, it's not a. the center part of this is a jungle. It's the only rainforest in the United States, which is when Julie and I drove through it. It was just something out of Jurassic Park. <laughs> you know, Leaves the size of sheets. It was incredible. It was elite. Yeah. We'll, we'll go back through there and take pictures for you guys. But um, Or you can go yourself. So what I'm trying to express to you is at the end of the day, you have to choose wisely if you're going to live here because it really does make a difference. If you're going to live in a more rural area, the quality of the construction of the homes, it, because the houses are built on um, in mudslide areas, so they're built on hills, they can't go in there and do poured concrete walls in a place where the topography won't allow the concrete truck. It's real simple stuff like that. That's what he told us. Uh, so the houses here in Dorado and a lot of the other parts of Puerto Rico are built to a standard that I've never even seen before. The, the, the concrete walls in the ceilings are seven inches deep, seven inches thick. It can rain here. The wind can be blowing here. And you don't even hear a thing that's going on outside. You have to look outside to make sure that the rain that you think is happening is actually happening because you yeah. can't hear it on the on the house yeah so we're, we're used to thinking well you know a, a house built out of four by sixes is better than two by fours and da, 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 da. But they don't even, they're they're just building places here um on a totally different level it's in the construction is faster when they do pour concrete we've watched as some of these new houses there's a subdivision near us the houses start at seven million they were watching get built and you know inside the Ritz and they are just like they look like bomb shelters they do yeah, everything's out of cement even this the steps on the inside are all cement all the way through and, and it's so quiet yeah you know the the what would you call it the taste here the mm-hmm. style here is it's not pretty modern. like Miami or California this it's very European it reminds yeah. us of places we've seen in Italy or things like that it's, it feels very the 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 influence is definitely European and not American. And that's true with how they dress. You know, that's true with how the island, the music the island listens to, the food the island eats. It's not American influenced. It's, it's defi- definitely European influenced. Yeah, that's something else that's hard to express unless you've really traveled um, or, you know, yeah. have a reference to that sort of thing. Anything else? Oh, doctors. You can talk yeah. about doctors. <laughs> well, let's see. You have the normal drill. I don't know exactly the reason for all of this yet, but... The, the normal deal is you call first to see if they're even open. Assuming they're open, then I figured out you have to then ask if the doctor's actually there, because it could just be their staff. 
then you try and make an appointment. Some of them will take appointments, some of them won't. You show up and you wait. Okay, that's that's one version, and we've done that, and it's been fine, and the, Zoe's got a doctor that's very good there. Then there's another version, which is concierge medical care, where you have mobile doctors, and they, they're doctors that come to your house. Um, Zoe had Dr. Marin come, what, two weeks ago, and they can prescribe on the spot. I, what did he tell you? Everything in his truck, he can do everything down to put a broken bone back well, together or something? so a friend of ours awesome. um, was building a play set in his backyard. Oh, accidentally, this is a terrible story. <laughs> accidentally cut off his six-year-old fingers, uh, daughter's finger. Ugh. And Dr. Marion basically, you know, went there right away. Sewed her back up? Sewed her back up, and they took her to an orthopedic surgeon, and the surgeon basically got her back to normal, and she had to wear a cast for a while, but all's well. The point being is that... So for 250 bucks, that's that's basically what, they charge for what the uh, house call is. Yeah. Um, and then your prescription, then you're good to go. I like doing that better because I don't like sitting in a waiting room with a bunch of sick people not knowing what time I'm going to get to see the doctor. Um, but the, the medical care itself has been fine. It's just there's different ways of going about it. And again, this is one of those where you go to the Damas website or you talk in the school parking lot, everybody's going to have their version of, of what's best. Most people have a combination of you know, doctors they like to go to for specialty things. A lot of kids have asthma here, for example. Um, and then they have the mobile doc, which is great. You know, your kid gets sick on a Sunday morning. What are you going to do? I, I think in this sense, it's better. I, I don't think we could have done that in Texas. No, there's no called and had a doctor show up at your house on there's Sunday no morning. There's docs in Texas. You no. know, so that's, that's, that's kind of good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. So the doctors here are almost always come from really good schools in the mainland. And they're listen to me, mainland here. I said in the yeah. United States, I'm sounding like a local. <laughs> and um, they're almost always board certified. So they just the they, the preference on or the focus on education here um, starts when the Puerto Ricans are young and they go to these really nice schools. And here's something that's very fascinating: almost all the Puerto Ricans that we've run into that you have to ask if they're Puerto Rican usually because their English is just so perfect. And it's because a lot of them go, when they're in high school, they will actually go to boarding schools in the East Coast of the United States or yep. in Europe. And so they have these, just you cannot hear an accent. And then you hear them talking in German and French and Spanish. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I'm just a dumb American only knows how to speak <laughs> English. You know, right. you feel like an ignoramus. But that's, it. so the doctors here are just really good. I'm not, I'm sure there's some, you know, turds uh, and punch bowl. But for the most part, they're really good. They're that's really good. great doctors. Very, um, don't judge a book by its cover is something else I'll tell you, is that the exteriors of the buildings here, when you're outside of the reserve where we live or some of these other areas, they don't look that nice. But then as soon as you walk in, it's almost a joke for Julie and I. You know, we were taking our clothes to a dry cleaner yesterday, and it was just a normal dry cleaner. But the outside of the building looked like something you'd see from Homeland with Carrie walking <laughs> down the street, you know, looking well, for a sniper. A lot of them are still beat from hurricanes, yeah. and they just haven't been put back together. <laughs> and then you walk in, and it's like and this enchanted nice. little, you know, it was beautiful. Yeah, and, even and the gas station. I used to be afraid to go in there for like two or three weeks when we moved here and here. And then, you know, I ran out of gas. So <laughs> I had to go in, suck it up, buttercup, and you go in, and it's like this this nice decked out. There's a, a deli, a gourmet section. <laughs> nice There's a wine, wine section. <laughs> Like, who knew? You'd never know that from outside. Yes. Uh, Julie has, Julie drives a, uh, we got her a new Range Rover when we moved down here. And um, the guy in the gas station said, uh, we're out of premium. You you want to come back later today? Because he didn't want to see Julie put cheap gas in her Range Rover. But anyway. I, I told funny. him it was okay. I could eat junk food that day. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, a lot of things are like that, that, that they just, 
you know, the, the facades are a little shocking to get used to. And then you go in and everything's fine and nice. And, it, and it's also random. You know, one building next to it will be totally rehabbed and somebody's invested in it. And then the one next to it will just be kind of a shell. So that's the nature of having the island beat by hurricanes now and then, I suppose. There is a lot. When you drive, Julie and I have made a point of not just, you know, hauling up here too long because this place is like a parallel universe. <laughs> it's so nice. Um, and we do make a point of driving out of the Ritz on a regular basis, usually once or twice a week, not just, at, you know, out of Dorado and we go exploring. Um, and there are places in Puerto Rico which are really run down. And by run down, they're barrios. They look like slums. Nope. A lot of them are just little villages and hamlets that are, you know, you just pass through one to the other. And then you get out and you start walking around and you start talking to people. We just did this two weeks ago. We went <laughs> to this little town that's nearby. And Julie's getting pretty efficient at Spanish, pretty fluent. She's taking lessons and I'm picking it up from Julie. Fortunately, I'm going to have my Ask Julie translator. I'm going to ask Zoe. <laughs> <laughs> But, She's um, ahead of me. But, yeah, there's just these three old ladies that we Oh, just yeah, we to. obviously were looking lost. We couldn't find the government <laughs> office we were looking for. <laughs> they were just and and they were just, like, so nice. They're like having three little Puerto Rican grandmas take care of you and point you the right direction. And I understood about half of what they were saying. Just super nice people, you know? There's I mean, no you, you still, of course, you have to keep your wits about you. Any any environment, you're going to have to be smart about. But the the default is to be helpful not to like ignore you and set you off on your own to fend for yourself the de- right. the default is you to know help. it's like a, a puerto rican midwestern <laughs> attitude in a way um so i think that's that's really nice um you know it, it's definitely a mixture of experiences that's for sure so i have a question for you mm-hmm. if now that we've been here for seven months mm-hmm. where i think we've got pretty much everything figured out <laughs> There'll be new challenges. That's tomorrow. what we thought till the earthquake hit, but yeah. I, I think on the other side of that, I'd feel better about it. So Puerto Rico, yeah. um, and again, I'm not going to talk about this. But Puerto Rico has some really amazing tax incentives. What they're trying to do is bring down business owners and entrepreneurs that who will obviously inject a lot of cash into the, you know, Puerto Rican economy just by their own consumption, but also by hiring people and expanding yep. their businesses. And, and things that, of that is nature. working. We've read reports oh, on yeah. that. That absolutely has been successfully launched, and we can tell just by the people we meet that that's working yeah we have a we have again we've met so many new friends down here and a lot of them were from california high tax states those are the obvious mm-hmm. folks that moved down here and they'll just say look in california i had three employees because the cost of just having the employee the taxes and the regulation yeah. and now down here i have 20 and it's just it's amazing and so whoever it was originally and, and we should research this but mm-hmm. came up with the concept of these acts is kind of genius you you make it so that the people who are most likely to basically create jobs and create opportunities for other people. Uh, you you give them whatever incentive they need to be, need to have to get down here, because I'm not really sure. In the in the, when we see people move down here, now we can kind of tell the people that have been here for a while versus not. You can run it. You run into people that are new to the to the island, and you know they have the same. I suppose you know deer in the headlights look we did seven months ago. So we again we try to help them and maybe this podcast that we're doing right now will do just that. Um, but you got to not mess around with trying to incorporate yourself into the into the island. You can't you can't try to make it like the East Coast or New York. And there's a kind of a funny joke that what happens to a lot of times is you'll have the men will want to move down here more than their wives will because the wives would be coming from maybe the East Coast and they're used to their Soul Cycle and Starbucks is the joke. 
and there's no there's a Starbucks very near here, but there's no Soul Cycle, you know. And so what a lot of hap- what a lot of times happens is the man will want to come down here, obviously, because it'll be a huge advantage business wise, tax wise, and maybe he doesn't have to work as hard to take care of his family and take care of his his uh you know everything, and it gives him a new impetus to build his business to the next level and that's what you see a lot of times these entrepreneurs what they're doing is they're not just kicking back they're actually talking about how they can essentially expand their businesses in Puerto Rico it's like I said it's a genius thing but sometimes it's it's the the females they come down here and they're not really wanting to incorporate that much and we've run into that fortunately Julie was a stud and she didn't even act like that from day one though she did have her moments of I think um, disbelief as all of us have we'll tell you a story another time how we were driving through downtown San Juan and we turned a corner looking for a Starbucks by the way and right in front of us was probably about six or ten wild hogs <laughs> right happened. there in downtown they're in downtown Chowing down on some trash cans yep there it was okie yep. dokie wild hogs yeah <laughs> you know so there you go this is why you need a Range Rover anyway <laughs> <laughs> but um, um so if you're not ready to accept a different pace of life if you're not willing to learn Spanish, if you're not really willing to accept the fact that even though this is part of the United States and Puerto Ricans are Americans, they don't really see themselves that way. Not all of them. The older ones do, but the younger ones, they definitely see themselves as Puerto Ricans first. You don't see any American flags here. Have you seen an American flag? Have you seen one? I don't think so. It's certainly not like Texas, but... No, um, but nothing's like tactics. Yeah, well, yeah. but so, Tim, what you're talking about, I think, is something that resonates with me that I heard. I think I originally, I don't know who originally said this. It's a great little quote to remember. I heard it on a Joel Osteen uh, podcast or something. And he, he said, you know, if you struggle with things like what you describe, it's it's not like where I'm coming from. I don't have my soul cycle. I don't have this. I don't have that. He said, you just have to remember one thing, and that is to bloom where you are planted. And to embrace that. And, you know, the Spanish thing, I think, is almost a tell. Like, if you're not at least trying to pick some stuff up. And you you almost have to uh, actively resist, considering that most of the street signs are in Spanish. And I've, I think a lot of what I've picked up has just been, like, you go to the grocery store, and it's all in Spanish. You know, like, see fruits that I don't know what they are, and I have to look it up. And if I'm at the deli and I have to order, you know, some sandwich meat and cheese I have to look up how to say two or three pounds of whatever I want it by not doing that you're you're you know kind of getting in your own way because it's not as hard as you think I think the language is one thing and I am very grateful that we can get away with Spanglish and that they're very forgiving with things like conjugating your verbs but I think it's it's also like you know driving around getting off of uh, getting out of your own neighborhood and going to school and doing school stuff and you know trying new things so that's all I have to say about that I that's not to say that I haven't had my moments of like you know driving to school there's packs of wild dogs occasionally and there's chickens in the parking lot and there are huge iguanas yeah yeah. that are the size of a Volkswagen yep other than that the iguanas (laughs) here are just like something from Jurassic Park it's seriously they're beautiful spikes and the old ones are beautiful they're different colors well wild Julie said wild dogs what they really are are homeless dogs after Maria a lot of the dogs that were domesticated people's pets um, you know, they lost They're called their homes. Satos. They're called Satos. And there's a big, Julie and I uh, are part of a, a charity that donates money to take it's care of the these Sato dogs. The Sato Project. And, and so these wild dogs don't picture something crazy because no, they're not. No, they're not like hyenas or yeah, something. Yeah, they're people's, there's people's pets that basically got abandoned. You can kind of tell what breeds they are. But, yeah. you know, even then, they're, people are being very proactive. Like this weekend, 
is something called the Spayathon, and it's in like eight different cities. And people, you know, the the vets have volunteered their time and the surgeries, and there there are literally thousands of dogs getting spayed this weekend. People are trying to end the the uh, homeless dog issue that's cropped up. I don't think technically spading will end the homeless dog issue. I think it'll end the dogs having sex issue. Well, they can still do that. They just don't make puppies, right? Oh, I don't you know. know what spaying is. Do you right? know anything about this? Moving on. <laughs> so if anybody knows about that, well, keep it to yourself. We don't, we don't know. I digress. I don't think you digressed. I think I did. Yeah. I think that's that was okay. Full, I think that was full digression. <laughs> um, so I, for some reason, that we were sitting here, we we're looking at the ocean and looking at little kids play on the beach. I'm thinking about Zoe. Mm-hmm. But you know, there was a plane that just flew over in the distance over the ocean. And I was thinking about um, that's worth. No, and there's a cruise ship that's out there yep. that we're looking at. And there's a big, what are those big ass birds called? Uh, pelicans. Yeah. Well, those things that size, those are still. I'm not sure where you're pointing. Yeah, I think those were. Something big. Pterodactyls. Something pterodactyls, yeah. But the um, planes, the direct air, air flights uh, is out of the San Juan airport is probably as good as it was in Austin. You could take direct flights to most of Europe. You could take direct flights to Texas. Obviously, Florida. You can. There's a direct. It's an international airport. It's a. It's a real airport. There's you a know. direct flight that goes from here to Columbus, Ohio. Can you imagine that? There's a direct. I mean, that's. It's amazing. But there's uh, like Julie and I are going to um, Europe for the first time since Zoe was born uh, this July, and there's direct flights right from here to Germany. So. If you think you have to be somehow, and this is our perception too, like if you live on an island, don't you get a little bit, you know, crazy because you're just on the island? I, I couldn't even, other than the fact that there's ocean around us, I don't really perceive we're on an island. Doesn't I don't feel locked in at all. And it's kind of fascinating to think, like when Julie and I lived in Georgetown, we lived in Las Vegas for a while, we lived in Columbus, Ohio, we lived in Southern California. Well, I, I mean, I felt a little bit landlocked when we lived in Laguna Beach just yep. because... Sure, you're 60 miles south of L.A., but boy, was that a chore to get in and out of. Yep, you had to set hours. aside the whole day. Mm-hmm. You were bordered on one side, of course, by the ocean and the other side by desert. And, you know, I, I think you can get that sense of isolation anywhere if you don't work at expanding your environment. And, and we're only talking about from our perspective. We've got friends that, you know, they helicopter in for the weekend and then they helicopter to their yacht. Then they take the yacht to a different Caribbean island. So, you know, we still have plenty of expansion of our own mindsets as well it's just i should think I you have to the, actively do it should i tell yeah. them the story about the uh the whale being born yeah that's a good story all right well, we're gonna end with this it's story good for example we're gonna end with this story so we're sitting out at um what restaurant was it what's luis's called barlo vento barlo vento barlo vento we call it luis's it's yeah. the guy that manages the place so we're standing we're at luis's and we're sitting there looking at the ocean and we're asking luis who's been here forever asking him about whether he sees any um you know whales or whatnot and you know julie you do know right now there's it yep. what, what's uh what's the what are the whales that are i'm i'm can't remember exactly which breed of whales but there right are there? i think there's three or four the whales are going by and then there's also giant sea turtles that are nesting we've gotten warnings in our email if you see giant sea turtles nesting on the beach don't mess with them call the authorities so they can you know make sure they get back in safely but uh yeah back to your whale story so luis was telling us a story and we don't know this guy so this is you know anyway the guy was as story as luis's story uh goes remember we were asking about whales the guy was flying in on his private jet from someplace in the mainland and um he's flying over the atlantic ocean and he was looking out his window and he was relatively close to puerto rico and he looks down the ocean because remember the caribbean the water here is just 
unbelievably beautiful. I just, I wish you guys were here looking at it with us right now because it just is so, it's for us, it's like, uh, it's like heaven, really. It's stunning. Yeah. And so he looks out the window and he sees a mama whale giving birth to a baby whale. Yeah. So he then tells his pilot, because he wasn't flying it himself, what's the point of having your own private jet if you have to, you know, fly it yourself? Good point. <laughs> so he had he had the pilot fly back over and then, you know, fly a little bit lower, not to the point where the whale would hear or be scared or anything. And the guy was able to watch this whale get, you know, being born. Isn't that amazing? I mean... Those are the types of experiences yeah. I promise well, you. Uh, you don't have those in Columbus, Ohio. So our friend uh, Gene and Nicole, they live out east in Palmas, and they snorkel and they see manatee right there with them. You're thinking of Gene and his wife. All right, yeah. Yeah, manatees, yeah. So, so these kinds are, of interesting things. These are the types of... we're gonna. So if you guys like this podcast, I know it was an hour, and it was just Julie and I going back and forth. We didn't really have an agenda. We were going to do more of these every Sunday because we, you know, we chill every Sunday anyway. And uh, sitting with our Diet Cokes and looking at the ocean and being grateful. And I hope wherever you guys are in the world, you're experiencing something like this. So I guess if you were to ask me the number one reason I moved down here is so I could have more moments like this with Julie and our family, that was really the main motivation for me. It wasn't money. It wasn't even lifestyle, though our lifestyle here is about a thousand times better than it's ever been before. And our financial outlook because the opportunities here. And frankly, I've rediscovered my entrepreneurialism like I've never experienced before just because the people were constantly surrounded by, you know, environment matters. But really the main reason was is because we wanted to spend more time together. We, we wanted to have an ability or a, a lifestyle that did not make it, like when we lived in Ohio, it was always work, 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 looking forward to going someplace that, where you could relax. Well, now we live, I don't know, five minutes to walk down to the, the beach? Yeah. Yeah. And we, you know, we live in this just unbelievably beautiful place. It's, we feel so blessed. We still, I don't want to use the word lucky because it wasn't really lucky. Kind of, you know, luck does factor Grateful into and it. Grateful and blessed and, you know. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and really uh, all of you, many of you have been attached to Julie and I pretty much our entire adult lives in one form or another from selling real estate to writing books and speaking and all that. You guys, you're all part and parcel of helping the, us to to get here because you, you gave us the time of day and listened to what we had to say. Yeah. And so we really thank appreciate that. that. And thank you for that. So listen. Um, we're going to continue this podcast series. Hopefully you guys like it. We're not going to make it any more formal. Hopefully you don't mind the noise in the background <laughs> from the ocean. Have a fantastic day. This is Tim and Julie Harris signing off from Puerto Rico, Dorado Beach, Puerto Rico.